StravaCraft coffee is rich CBD infused coffee that you can purchase in K-cups for your Keurig, whole bean, or you can get it ground and you can always get it sent directly to your door for 20% off when you use the code DNVR20. Go to StravaCraftCoffee.com, check out all their products. Heck, if you don't want CBD infused coffee, they have regular coffee for you too. But no matter what you find, you're going to love something from Strava Craft Coffee, and you're gonna love the deal you get when you use that code DNVR20. So hit up Strava Craft Coffee today. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the curds from mile high, the best part of the weekend. Hugging a perfect stranger, cause they become a friend. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. You guys know the deal. Rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who will bring the real world right into the classroom. They, their graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. And actually some of our own DNVR members and our own DNVR employees are taking classes at MSU Denver Online this summer. So go over msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer they have an extremely vast list of programs an extremely vast list of classes that you can take uh, that you will find relevant to what you're trying to do with your life so msudenver.edu slash online my boys happy monday we're all back all three of us let's go baby got the power trio intact mace is back from vacation it's a, it's a great day in Mile High City. Such enthusiasm. You know, I, I needed that because the first day back from vacation, you're moving in slow motion. You're kind of like, uh, uh. <laughs> I'm actually out of sorts without my 1,000-yard uh, swim that I was getting at my brother-in-law's pool every day while I was out there. So I needed that jolt back to reality. Thank you, Zach. You got a you got a nice glow going on, Mace. I can tell you spent some time by the pool. Yeah, that Wisconsin sun. Famous. Was that Wisconsin? <laughs> <laughs> there well, there is go. a t- there is a suburb of Man- of uh, Madison called Sun Prairie, so, you know. There you go. They should just call it Wisconsin. <laughs> um, anyways, great to talk to you guys. Great to have you back. Zach, how was your weekend? Oh, fantastic. Same as about every other weekend for the past uh, 12, 12 weeks, maybe. I don't know, longer than that, 15. Who knows, Ryan? How about you? Mine was great. Um, I was up in Boulder. I went and played some golf. You know, all of the uh, makings of a, of a good weekend. Win some money off, off Blades? Yeah, won some money on Blades. Yeah, the, uh, we did the watch party uh, at the dnvr bar for the fight on saturday and that was a blast uh it was so great just being in a room full of energy you know it's been a while uh and it was cool because you know there's everyone's on on DraftKings sportsbook betting on different fighters of course everyone was in on blades um but the the prelim fights uh and the undercard you know everyone was on different people so you you had little rivalries building mid-fight uh, the fight that led up to Blades and Volkov was just an absolute 
knockdown, drag out, haymaker after haymaker. Uh, you know, it was such a great fight, and it was kind of a split group there in the bar. So it was really fun. We'll definitely be doing that again for future UFC fights because everyone that was there had a blast. That's that's awesome. When you were talking about the haymaker after haymaker, though, I thought I thought you were talking about Dallas Goddard's weekend. Oh, oh man, that is crazy. <sighs> yeah, well, I mean, when I first saw that that tweet, I was like, "You've got to be what? It's crazy." People are psychos out there. Seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyways. One of our devout listeners, Mark IT Snatch, reached out to me in the DNVR lounge, something you can do if you're a DNVR member. And he said, hey, I have an idea for you guys. Um, Maybe you might want to use it for the first segment. And he was right. We do want to use it for the first segment. His question was, what does each pending free agent have to do this year to get re-signed by the team? And we've got the list of, of pending free agents here in front of us. We've got um, – we're just going to focus on the, the UFAs, the unrestricted free agents, because those are the more interesting ones. Those are the ones who actually have to be re-signed uh, to a new deal uh, to, to be back. So let's start here, and we'll just go through the whole list. Some guys will probably have a longer discussion than others. Some guys will probably be quick. Um, so the number one guy on the list here who remains in that group for the time being at the very least is Justin Simmons. Mm. What do you guys think about this? And, and the answer might just simply be, well, he's not going to be an unrestricted free agent uh, by the time they kick off the season. Well, he's not going to be an unrestricted free agent by the time they kick off the season. Okay. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> It'll happen. What? 24 hours before the deadline of uh, middle of July. Sounds about right to me. <laughs> Do you guys both agree with that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ju- Justin, we'll be talking about him hitting unrestricted free agency when he's 32, 33. He's 27 right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's going to be a while. Uh, they'll get him signed. They'll get him taken care of. And it goes on. Yep. So, no worries there with Justin. All right, how no about- worries. Well, 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 no worries unless you don't get something done. I mean, in the next in the next four weeks here, and I think that's the thing. If they can't get a long term deal done, if they fail to do what they've done with every other franchise tag player that they've had in the John Elway era, then I don't think he's coming back. I think he's. I think the Broncos will probably move on from Justin Simmons next year, hard as it might be to believe. So, well, so it's, Mace, it's all you, about you it's all about, about the next. Uh, I'm worried about it if they don't get it done the next four weeks. But that said, I do expect they'll get him done. But if not, then then you start thinking about Justin Simmons not being a Bronco long term. But uh, as long it's all about the next four weeks more than any other time period in terms of Justin Simmons. Yep, I agree with all that, right. and I don't think there's going to be any issue getting it done. And and if there is, then yeah, I don't think he's around in 2021. All right. Well, yeah, I think I honestly think he's back no matter what happens, but that's just me. Next one here, Todd Davis. Todd Davis. What's he got to do to stay around? Boy, I mean, maybe just keep doing what he's doing. We we thought that they were going to try to replace Todd Davis last year, this year, and it didn't. Now, Justin Sternod, maybe if he emerges and develops better, it, honestly, better than even the Broncos think with where they drafted him, 
then that's how Todd leaves. But Todd's been solid. And, um, you know, if he's solid again, then it's not going to be about the Broncos deciding if they want him back or not. It's going to be about the price point. But Todd Davis is going to be 30 next year as well. And so what I'm saying is there may not be heavy demand for him on the market, certainly not enough to justify the kind of contract that would break anybody's bank. So you could see a scenario where they don't re-sign Todd Davis. He explores the market, but maybe non like Shelby Harris opts to come back for a one or two year type of type of contract. So I think with Todd, it does depend on Justin Stranod, even Josh Watson, Joe Jones, Josie Jewell, because if any of those guys prove they can be a starting every down linebacker, then I don't think Todd Davis is back no matter what he does, unless he increases his level of play from salt from solid starter to pushing for the pro bowl and frankly i don't see that happening i actually think it's more likely that we see a scenario over the course of the year where stranad takes sub package snaps from todd davis and thus you're looking at him at the end of the season saying he's a he's a, a one or two down linebacker and at that point you're just moving on from him yeah, you know, the, the thing that I think would work in favor of Todd Davis coming back would be that I don't think there's going to be a lot of demand for him. And in most cases, if you, if you aren't a net negative, in most cases, no team likes you more than the team that you're on. And I think, you know, Todd Davis has shown himself to be a valuable member of the locker room. I think he's liked in that regard. So maybe he comes back on a one-year, $3 million deal after this year just – uh, you know, the Broncos want him and no one else does. Yeah, it's going to be all about the price is right. And now if the Broncos go use a first-round pick or spend big money in free agency, then we know that Todd Davis won't be back. But let's say A.J. Johnson blows up and is a beast, and they say, okay, well, we have solid play with Todd Davis at cheap next to Alexander Johnson. That's all we need. Yeah, yeah, I think, again – think the number one thing that would bring him back is just lack of demand outside of Denver yeah all right this next one here I don't think it will ever matter that he's going to become an unrestricted free agent because I don't think he'll ever have that chance because I don't think he's going to make the roster this season uh, and that's Jeff Hireman yeah he'll be an unrestricted free agent this season before the season starts and um, between now and by the time that he's cut, I don't really think there's anything he can do. I think he'll be an unrestricted free agent technically next year because he'll be coming from some other team. He'll be tr traded at some point before the regular season to a team that needs a little bit of a depth boost at tight end if there's an injury or injuries that strike their position. Jeff Hireman is traded to that team for a sixth or seventh round pick. But I don't think he's on the roster in this fall, let alone next year. Yeah, I wonder uh, what Vance Joseph felt about Jeff Hireman because the Cardinals could really use some tight end depth. They've got about nothing at that position right now. Um, I wonder if he would uh, if he would have a, put in a good word for Hireman over there in Arizona because uh, you know, that would be make sense as a trade partner. It would, it would, and uh, maybe Jeff would want to go there because practice would look pretty good for him. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Um, 
Next one on the list here, and this one I find pretty interesting. Brandon McManus. Mm. What does Brandon McManus have to do this season to get another contract from the Broncos, which, to be honest, would be pretty big uh, in terms of kicker standards, I think. It, it would be huge, and that's why I think he has to have a huge season. He's got to be really, really good because I could – I could see Vic just saying, let's go with uh let's go with a more affordable option at kicker. And remember, uh Brandon and Vic kind of butted heads a little bit last year. Very publicly, we know um about the decision not to allow Brandon to kick that. And Brandon was mad about it all the way through the end of the season. Brandon's turning will be 30 this year. Um, so I think he's got to have a huge season in order to be worth the big contract that he'll get. Yeah, not just yeah, not just that uh, Vic may not think of Brandon McManus in the best possible terms, but McManus over the last three years, you know, since he since that contract kick kicked in, you were expecting from that sort of investment Brandon McManus to be one of the better kickers in the NFL, right? In terms yep. of the field goal percentage. Yep. Okay. Well, if you go through all the field goal kickers, and I'm just going to say we're going to eliminate the, the ones with a small sample size. So let's chop out the guys who have not even attempted 20 field goals over the last three seasons, and then take a look at the field goal percentages over the last three years. Brandon McManus ranks – It's not good that he's having to scroll this long. Oh, this really isn't good. 34th. Oh. 80.2%. So of the 47 kickers with at least 20 field goal attempts, he ranks 34th over the last three seasons combined. Going 73 of 91. There was a time when that was a good percentage figure. You know, back in the salad days of Jason Elam in the 1990s, 80% nowadays puts you below average. I am shocked. Uh, is Brandon McManus not a good kicker? He struggles from long range, and some of that, don't forget, is, is because he's missed, some of the, he's missed a fair amount of those long-range attempts over the last few years. And, of course, you know, it doesn't help when you're called upon to you know, try to try that random 60 yard type of 60 yard type of kick. But the problem for Brandon McManus is that when you get this sort of contract going, this this contract that at the time put him among the league's highest paid kickers, you are expecting somebody who's going to, who, who's going to be above average. The la- by the way, the last three years, guys from 50 plus, Brandon Manis has attempted 20 field goals. He's hit nine of them. So he's only 45% from 50 plus. And, le- and uh, last year even missed a couple of field goals from 40 plus as well. So while he's good, he's, or he's solid, he certainly should be kicking in the NFL somewhere. When you're talking about paying somebody multiple millions of dollars a year, it doesn't necessarily add up. So, if he has another season like he's had the last three years, I think the Broncos move on and throw caution to the wind with a young kicker coming out of next year's draft or one of the young kickers that 
you that some that does well in somebody's camp this year doesn't latch on, and then you sign a guy like that, sort of like Brandon McManus was when the Broncos brought him in in 2014. Well, the good thing about Brandon McManus is while he struggles from long range, he knows his role. He understands that he's not great. <laughs> oh, wait, no. This is the guy who threw an absolute conniption fit because he wasn't given the opportunity to kick the longest field goal in NFL history. Give me a break. The nine for 20? Come on. And what, what you can't leave out of this conversation is he's doing half the kicks at mile high, the, the most friendly kicker's park. And, and – Mace, you said something. You said he definitely deserves to be kicking in the NFL. I don't know. You just said he ranks 34th. There's only 32 teams. Oh, you're muted, Mace. You're muted. muted. No, still muted. muted. <laughs> Problem is I've got two mute controls. There we go. I got two mute controls here, one on the screen, uh, one, on, uh, one, on, one on my headset. Well, the, the other thing about McManus is also those kickers that I mentioned, of course, over the last three years, you do have some guys on that list that are no longer in football for, you know, for example, one of the guys, uh, you remember Patrick Murray, he kicked for Tampa Bay. He hasn't kicked since 2017. Chandler Catanzaro hasn't kicked since 2018. Georgia, you know, so you see some names on here that, uh, you know, Phil Dawson as well. Some names on this list that they've, they've been out of the league, but yeah, it's, yeah, that, that percentage, that field goal percentage works against him though. That being said, his extra Point percentage is no, don't give me that. a little bit. Don't it's it's harder now than it has ever been. No, he is second in the league in extra point success percentage, ninety-eight point nine percent in the last three. Years. Here's the question, though: If you win for two every time, could you convert forty-nine percent of those? Because that would be the same value. Oh, that, I had that discussion with my brother-in-law last week when we were he's – a, he's a doctor, but he's a huge football fan, and I was explaining to him why every team should go for two every time, except literally every time except when you're up eight in the fourth quarter after scoring the touchdown and you want to take the 94% chance to go up nine and go up two scores. Yeah, I'm, I just don't understand. All you have to do is convert 51%. And you and you you created more value than was even possible if you hit a hundred percent of your extra points. Right, playing scared, playing scared. Do you think with all this kicker talk, do you think uh, Rico down in Chico is available? <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was Rigo. Oh, Rigo, of course. Yes, uh, and no, he's not. Uh, he kicks for the Colts. Yes, he does. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I'm blown away by these numbers. Um, I truly don't give a hoot about extra point numbers, 96%, 95%, 94%. It's all the same to me. Uh, I, need the I need the opportunities to get three points to be converted. I think Brandon McManus needs to be one, one of, if not the best kicker in the league this year if he wants to be back. Yep. Yeah, I, I, was, I mean, I knew he struggled from – long range over the last three years, but nine of 20 when you're kicking at altitude. Now, yeah. again, there was a time when hitting 45% of your kicks from beyond 50 yards, you'd say, great, that guy is as good as you're going to find in the NFL. But that was when I was a kid. Yeah. You're looking for a kick. I mean, maybe it should be up to 55% or 55 yards because I expect anything under 55 yards to be made. 
I do too. I think a fifty yarder should be should be automatic when you're, yeah. especially when you're paying him. What is he the a top five highest paid kicker? Yeah. So you got to be money. Exactly. I mean, and you know, fifty four yards. That's 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 a chip shot uh, for his leg strength. Yeah. So he should be making those. And, actually, and nowadays, right, actually, right now though, sorry, like on his contract. His, his average per year value right now, because there have been kicker contracts after him, he, his average per year is 6th, 8th, 10th, 12th, 14th, okay. according to over the cap. And if he gets a new contract, though, he'll be catapulted, I bet, right back up to the top five. Yeah, and to me, that little temper tantrum was worth like seven misses. <laughs> I, I got to think in Vic's mind it was worth that as well. Hey, by the way, you know who's available in free agency next year? Not Jason only against Matty P. Matt Prater is, is, is going to be oh, yeah. free agent next year. <laughs> the Broncos should have never let go of Matt Prater or Britton Colquitt have some of the best special teams well, in the league. Well, Sam Martin uh, has a good relationship with Matt Prater. They've been together on the Lions special teams the last few years. That's true, and everyone knows Sam. I'm a huge Sam Martin guy. <laughs> Sam Martin guy. Do you think they can get the long snapper, too, since they made the tough call to move on from Casey Kreider? Who was it? What did uh... – what did Tom McMahon have to say about that? <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, th- this guy is is really good at tackling. He can make the plays downfield. No, but it, it, he was asked about um, letting go of Casey oh. Kreider. Oh, I'm not going to speak about that or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to speak about it because what happened happened or something. Like, wait, what? Was there something we didn't know of here, Tom? I don't know. I, I heard that, and I thought he didn't want to let go of Casey Kreider. Yeah, that's what I, I read. I, I read into that as him saying, like, I was pissed that that happened, so I'm not even going to say anything about it. Well, you always – tears back. Yeah, well, as a coach, you always want to have, have a scenario with long snappers where you don't worry about it. It's the, like, the old, uh, like the, old, the old Ron Popeil uh, oven that was on uh, – that was on infomercials. You want to set it and forget it. You want to have the long snapper and just not think about it. And Casey Kreider was so good the last few years, you didn't think about it. If I, I mean this, Aaron I mean Brewer this has, was that good too. I mean, this has no disrespect to long snappers because it is a craft and, and they've perfected it. But is long snapper the easiest starting position in all of pro sports? Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Because you have to do you have to do one thing, and sure, there's some other things that that they want you to do after, like be able to run down the field fast and make a tackle if you can. But you're the tenth guy called upon to do that. If you do one thing good, that's it, and you do it what four times, five times a game. Yeah, you're actually the ninth guy because you don't want the punter to make the tackle. But I know what you're saying. That's why I said tenth. Oh, tenth. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. I see what you're saying. Uh, I thought you meant there's 10 guys, uh, 10 other guys. Um, I'm trying to think, like, I assume the success rate of long snaps in the NFL is like 99.9999%. Uh, and I can't imagine any other position in pro sports where the rate is that high. But when you mess up, everybody knows your name. That's true. It's just extremely rare. So how much would you be, if you were guaranteed – to get a long snapper that didn't miss a snap in a season, 
how much would you be willing to pay him? Where, where would you say, okay, I'm not paying you that much. Instead, I'll take the gamble. You're already – any long snapper that you get is like a – I mean, the chances of them messing up a snap is so slim. So, and the Broncos made the right call, not paying KC more than minimum. Yeah, I mean, the thing – like, if you – so let's say at most – I mean, I wonder what the record is for most bad snaps in a season in the NFL <laughs> oh, in the last God. 10 years. Because I can't imagine it's more than, like, three. Right. I wouldn't think so either. And obviously, one could cost you a game. Um, so you, you want it to be extremely automatic. But, I mean, I, I can't remember the last time, not just for the Broncos. I can't remember the last time in the NFL I've seen an unsuccessful snap. And we, we know that uh, people on this podcast like punter talk in the first segment. How about long snapper talk in the first segment? How about yeah, how are is... we talking this long about special teams? <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, well, no, before we go though, Casey Kreider, remember this number, guys. His his sal his base salary and or his total salary with bonus guarantees, etc., is going to be nine hundred and ten thousand dollars with the Giants this year. Nine hundred and ten thousand. If either of these two young guys with no experience make the Broncos roster, they're going to be $610,000. So for $300,000, you're letting that peace of mind walk out the door. It may not seem important. It may seem laughable now, but if Casey Kreider has a perfect season and whoever the Broncos have at long snap or botches a snap that costs them a game, you know we're going to be talking about this and saying, well, they should have just paid the $300,000 more for that peace of mind. And that's the conversation that happened when they let Lonnie Paxton walk. And that's the conversation that happened when they let Aaron Brewer walk. And it never happened. So I'll touch wood. But I, I believe in Jacob Bobbenmeyer or whatever the heck his name is. <laughs> Bobbenmeyer. <laughs> okay. We need to move on. The next one here is Mike Purcell. What does Mike Purcell have to do to stay around? In my opinion, it's just – do what he did last year and, and maybe improve a little bit this year, but be a, just be a stuffer in there um, and, you know, be, be a, a force. Yep, just be, be a stuffer in there. I like that. Just, just <laughs> be, be the stuffer that you are, Mike Purcell. Be that good stocking stuffer. And I, I really think that um, it, this one's going to depend on the Broncos' vision for this position because they tried to replace – Mike Purcell with DJ Reader. DJ Reader, if they signed him, would have been a bigger guy, uh, more likely to play interior than, than a defensive end. And the Broncos tried to, you know, offered him a very big contract, but he was offered more money somewhere else. Um, so I'm curious if the Broncos have that same philosophy next year. I know they went and got Jarrell Casey, but Jarrell Casey isn't a Mike Purcell replacement. DJ Reader kind of would have been an upgrade over Purcell. So I, I think the Broncos – if there's someone better out there that they're willing to pay the money to, probably doesn't matter what Purcell does. Um, but if he's just solid again, then, then he'll earn another year or two. But it's going to be a short contract since he's 30 now. Or not even better out there in free agency paying the money to. It could be a matter of looking at the draft class and seeing, okay, does this draft have some mid-round stuffers that can be – first and second round base package nose tackles that just occupy space and if those guys exist and they're there and they're confident that they can get one of them then that gives you the license to go ahead and move on from Mike Purcell starting at defensive end Jarrell Casey starting at stuffer Mike Purcell yep he's a starting stuffer <laughs> and I just I mean he was so 
that that position is weird. They rarely get a lot of fanfare. The only reason Domitop Pecco did is because he was awesome in press conferences and had great hair. But and freaking got called for personal fouls all the time. I'm, yeah, led the team in personal <laughs> fouls that year somehow. Um, I but, thought veterans were supposed to have more discipline than that. Yeah, especially like. 12-year veterans <laughs> who are team captains who are yeah. happy all the time show some yeah i mean sh- <laughs> you know show st- show some presence show some you know some wits about you and not get called for those dumb penalties but then again he's not the he's far from the only guy on the team that was racking up really stupid infractions in 2017 and 2018 but i mean in the end your job is just to be huge and mike purcell can do that he's actually not that that huge, but he plays huge, uh, and that's all you really need him to do. Make yep. sure they need two blockers to stop you. Yep, exactly. All right, next one here, Elijah Wilkinson, competitor number two in the great left tackle race. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, does he just have to show his versatility and show that he can play average, at least average, wherever he plays, and that'll get him a sixth man contract on the offensive line is that what they're looking for is average if he plays maybe the best thing for elijah is actually to not play this season and just really show off the versatility in practice that he can play left tackle right tackle left guard right guard yeah and and that type of contract for a couple of years i mean it might sound uh eye-popping but he's earning 3.259 million dollars this year on the rfa tender so let's say 2021 and we're going to assume a normal cap situation because I think that somehow, some way they'll work out uh, the potential loss of revenues to make sure the cap doesn't take a hit. Then Elijah Wilkinson, you could have back for two years, $9 million to be your pl- your plug and play guy who can fill in on four or five spots and basically your sixth offensive lineman. It works for me. So I, I truly believe his best path to re-signing um, is maybe not playing this year. Not not his best path, but that, that may be the best for him. He may get his best value there unless he goes out and absolutely balls at a tackle position. Then he'll get paid. But from what we saw, I wouldn't expect that to happen. So like George Costanza, just show up. <laughs> exactly. You show, you, you show up at work every day. You're, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're, 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 when the teacher calls roll, you raise your hand. Present, here. That's all you got to do. <laughs> he's available we know that uh being available is important on the broncos offensive line not important enough for them to pick up the fifth year option on you though (laughs) all right moving along here shelby harris the the best value on the team maybe this year at least on the defense uh what does shelby harris have to do to be a bronco next year and maybe it's what does he not do to be a Bronco next year. Yeah, I'm thinking if he hits free agency again next year, he can't come back a second time, right? I mean, so I think for him to uh, for him to be with the Broncos, I think he balls out the first half of the season and the Broncos say, "All right, we're not letting you hit the market. Let's let's work out some sort of deal so that you don't have to hit the market and frankly have an embarrassing free agency again uh and then they could actually get a little bit of a hometown discount there so i think it's balling out proving that he's he's a guy 
in the first eight games of the season, someone that the Broncos want to have around for a long time. Um, but if, if he hits free agency, I just, I don't think that he's going to be coming back to the Broncos. Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, this is a weird one. I don't really know what the situation looks like for him to come back. It, it's, it's not really a good one for the Broncos, honestly. Uh, the best case scenario for the Broncos, in my opinion, uh, with their relationship with Shelby Harris is to have Shelby Harris get 10 sacks this season and go get paid a, you know, a billion dollars somewhere else next year. And that's kind of what it feels like that this is uh okay. You know what? Um, instead of getting in a long-term relationship, we know we like each other and we have fun uh, and it's quarantine. It, you know, this is a quarantine relationship that the Broncos and Shelby have right now. They, they know it's a, a probably a one year deal. They're going to have fun in it with it they know it's not a long-term thing yeah but at the same time if he does play that well and uh don't forget he's going to be 29 in free agency next year and so the age might give some other teams pause but you know what you've gotten him he fits well and he might uh, having been through that situation this past year he might be willing to take the bird in the hand uh, more than two in the bush, perhaps. So he plays well. Maybe you get a contract uh, for him, and maybe he does take it that is perceived at below market value, below what he might get, because he saw what the market bore last year, this past spring, and it wasn't what he was expecting. So the, it, it might be a quarantine relationship, but it might be something much more where Shelby Harris ends up playing another several years for the Broncos. Hey, if you're in a quarantine relationship, you got lots of time to spend together. <laughs> to either love someone <laughs> or really hate someone. All right, I'm going to go through some names quickly here uh, and build up to the last one that I think is a big deal. So uh, just, you know, a sentence or so. What does Jeremiah Atachu have to do to be a Bronco next year? Prove that he's a, a solid backup to Von Miller. Well, no, because Vaughn may not be on the team next year. Uh, prove that he can be a solid veteran in that room. A solid veteran and stay healthy because injuries were a big concern for Atachu and were why his career kind of got derailed, but he stayed healthy last year and played well when asked to. So he just stays healthy, does well in the spurts uh, when he plays, and then I think the Broncos would want him back. The question would then become, okay, if he plays well in those spurts, is there another team that might offer him a chance to start again and have a broader role? And that's the sort of thing that could keep him from coming back. But I think if he does what he did last year, the Broncos will want him back. Okay. I'm, I, I think if he just pretty much matches what he did last year across 16 games uh, this year, I think he'll be in good shape for the Broncos to want him back. Uh, Christian Covington, a name that would be easy to forget about as a guy that the Broncos would sign in free agency. Solid backup. And that, that's what the Broncos are hoping that he is this year, is a guy that when they ask him to get on the field, that he just does his job. If he does that, um, he, he could find himself uh, a spot here for a couple more years. Yeah, and a very similar contract as well. His average per year works out to you know $1.5 million when you factor in what he could make, assuming he makes a team. Hey, you could probably uh, get him back for uh, two years, just over $3 million if he does well for you. That'd be fine. Go ahead and do it. Demarcus Walker. It's borderline for him to make the team, 
yeah. right now. And even then, you look at what they've done draft-wise. Demarcus Walker's strength is obviously as a pass rusher. But what have they done on day Isn't two? Isn't that his strength? I mean, he's an efficient pass rusher. He, he does get to the quarterback at a reasonably high rate when he's out there. The problem for Demarcus Walker is that they looked at him as a pass rusher, but then also drafted Draymond Jones last year and McTelvin Ajim this year. So what they want is appears to be a little bit different than Demarcus Walker. Of course, Walker had to kind of put on the weight to get up to 300. You bring in Draymond Jones, you bring in McTelvin Ajim. These are guys that come in at bigger framed than Demarcus Walker did. And the Broncos didn't do Demarcus Walker any favors trying to make him an outside linebacker in 2017. Moving him back, so tell him to lose weight, tell him to put him back on. But when his role, sub-package pass rusher, is something that they have targeted on day two of the last two drafts and came up with Draymond Jones and McTelvin Ajim, it doesn't argue, argue well for you long term. Again, he's borderline to make the, the roster, let alone, uh, let alone be on the team in 2020. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think he's making it. <laughs> yeah, I really don't think so. This is really the first guy where I'm like, I, I don't see it at all. Yep. Um, the last one here that I guess even is interesting before we get to the last one, last one, um, is Devontae Bosby. Mm, get Vic's trust. And yeah. what, whatever that means, if that means being a solid third corner, being, being the, the number two outside corner opposite um, A.J. Boye, uh, if it means just being a good fourth or fifth cornerback, he needs to get Vic Fangio's trust. We know Devontae Bosby has it, but is he consistent? And does Vic Fangio say, you have it? That's, that's what he needs to do to be around, is get Vic uh, to, to have his back. I think he needs to show that he can create turnovers. Um, it's something that he, he plays, you know, his play style is conducive to interceptions. He breaks on the ball hard. He likes to take a risk here and there, breaking on the ball. It's why he led the AAF in interceptions, you know, a lot less risk involved there because the players aren't as good. But he likes to make plays on the ball. If he just even gets three picks this year, uh, I think that will show that, you know, he has been able to turn that ability of being a ball hawk into, uh, you know, an NFL ability. And I think in turn, he will earn Vic's trust. He'll, he'll increase his value. You know, that's, that's one of the most valuable things that a player in his position can do is turn the ball over. I think that it's something he's very capable of. And if he's able to do it this year, I think the Broncos will feel they need to bring him back. Okay, so then is there a number – if we're talking about turnovers, that is something that we can put a, a, a number on. So is there a number, three picks or four picks, that assures him a, a spot in the Broncos' plans in 2021? Yeah, I think three or more gets him back. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. And, and the Broncos would be smart to, to not let him go because of how much he would have developed at that point. Yep. You agree, Mace? Yeah. Yeah, three is the number. I think there was a time when you would have considered four to be that term to be that terminus. But it's harder to get interceptions now than ever before. If he gets three, that puts him probably in the top twenty-five or so cornerbacks in the league in terms of picks. And at that point, he's shown value. People are going to want him. 
All right. Uh, th- there's some other names here, but I think we can move on once we talk about Garrett Bowles. Oh, boy. Here's the thing about Garrett Bowles. If he's back in 2021, it means he's at an absurd dollar amount. It means he played so well this year that the Broncos said, holy smokes, he is a future franchise left tackle. He We're can't giving be a him- future franchise left tackle because he's going to be 30 years old. <laughs> well, that's their fault for <laughs> drafting an old guy. But he's going to be making, what, 15 mil? I mean, something absurd for him to be back. Um, chances are that's not going to happen, and he'll be making – millions of dollars somewhere else yeah and if they really wanted him they would have just gone ahead and given him the fifth year option they didn't he has to play I would even say I say that he needs to play at an average level especially in terms of avoiding penalties to get a contract from somebody that is that life-changing money for the Broncos to bring him back he's got to be more than average he's got to be much better because also you you reckon that Mike Munchak is going to have a say in this I would reckon yeah all right you know who else is going to be a free agent next year uh Villanueva right correct if you're Mike Munchak who would you rather have as your left tackle Oh, that's obvious. Yeah. If I you're mean, Ryan and Mace, who would you rather have? As a I'd rather, I'd have rather have Villanueva, even though he's going to cost me more money. It's yeah. not even close. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, there's one other scenario where I could see him playing poorly enough that the Broncos say, uh, you know, okay, well, we'll pay him. I don't know, four million dollars to be our backup left tackle. But even then, I think yeah, they might just want to move on from the Garrett Bowles vibe as a whole. Yeah. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and because of that, I think that his time here is, is done pretty much regardless of what happens. And what's crazy is we see it on the, the writing on the wall for a year, and the, the Broncos and Garrett have to live with that. And we know that when this happened with Shane Ray, it, it wasn't an enjoyable year for either side dealing with each other. Yeah, and just like, let's say he plays great. I just feel like the Broncos will still value him less than some team who's completely left tackle desperate. And they're going to say, hey, we'll pay Garrett Bowles $20 million or something. Not that, but, you know, $15 million. Um, And the Broncos are just going to say internally, like, yeah, there's too much of a risk that that was a fluke year. Let's just go start somewhere else. And didn't the Broncos also lose the possibility of um, a hometown discount? by turning down that fifth-year option? Probably. I don't know. Garrett Bowles seems like a loyal guy, so maybe, you know, they're they're still able to get that. But I, I, this is a very hypothetical situation to even get to. I think Garrett Bowles <laughs> ends up being in a very average left tackle this year. Not terrible. Notice that I'm saying that. Um, and that's what the Broncos need from him this year is just be average. And after he does that, the Broncos are going to say, thanks for your service you know good luck yeah because the chances are at his age that average is league average is probably his peak but somebody would would likely be willing to pay him i think back to matt khalil after the vikings let him walk following taking the fifth year option and he really was not a good left tackle at all in 2016 
And Carolina backed up the Brinks truck and gave him $24 million guaranteed. All it takes is one team to to love you and pay you. I don't think that team is going to be the Broncos for Garrett Bowles. Could you imagine if he ends up with, let's say, the Chargers and he comes back to to Denver once a year, just the, the, the heyday that fans would have with that? Yeah, oh. and Bradley Chubb would make him his own personal hand puppet. <laughs> the, the eruption in the stadium <laughs> when they call holding offense. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be something? He would have three holding penalties in that game if that ha- If he leaves and he comes back to Denver, he's he gets the hat trick. The Garrett like, Bowles hat trick. He'd be okay, like, wait, wait, wait. This is weird. The fans are, are cheering me now instead of booing. Here's a, here's a question. You know, in hockey, when fans are trying to get in the head of the goalie, they'll chant their name. Yeah. I think that would really work against Garrett Bowles. <laughs> Garrett. 70,000 people chanting Garrett. Garrett. <laughs> that would – Oh, I, boy. I would feel bad for him, actually, if the fans did that. I, I, that, I, I really would. That would be wild. That would be wild. But I don't know. Football fans need to get a little more creative with their uh, taunting. I mean, for that reason alone, he should probably not wear 72 with the different teams. So that if he comes here, it's like holding number 73. It's, it's not as obvious. It's true. Uh, all right, we're going to get to the questions from the listeners. But first, a huge shout-out to Breckenridge Brewery. You know, I, I don't know how many times I've talked about it on this show, but I think that the Mango Mosaic is the most underrated Breck brew out there. We've got it on tap at the DNVR bar. And it's almost my go-to now when I go to the DNVR bar. I've, like, associated that delicious taste with being at the bar on a Friday night. I highly recommend it if you go into the bar or if you're just looking for a new Breck brew to try out that maybe we haven't talked enough about. Mango Mosaic, absolute hit. Got to try it. Shout out to Breck Brew. Uh, You know, whatever your preference is in beer, uh, you will find something that you love from Breckenridge Brewery. And a big shout out to all of the fathers out there who are now groomed and clean thanks to the Father's Day (laughs) special from Manscaped. And guys, Father's Day is no longer here, so we don't have to think about your dad's family jewels. Instead, think about your own and what that could do for yourself. Uh, So make sure to check out Manscaped. And guys, the Lawnmower 3.0 is the best tool out there. I absolutely guarantee it. So get your hands on a lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped and also get your hands on the perfect package 3.0 which comes which comes with that amazing lawnmower 3.0 plus the, plus the crop preserver an anti-chafing deodorant the crop reviver a spray-on toner and it comes with the travel bag disposable shaving mats and the comfiest set of anti-chafing boxers you've ever worn so you still use the code DNVR20 for free shipping plus 20% off your entire purchase at Manscaped. So check out Manscaped. All right, let's jump into the questions from the listeners. And Mace, first one is for you. Yep, the count says you can go back in time to 15,000 years ago and be a hunter slash gatherer, 2,000 years ago and become a traveler and warrior, 1,000 years and become a scholar and mystic, 150 years and become a revolutionary artist, 100 years and become a successful inventor, 
30 years and become an MLB baseball legend. You get to be one of the greats at any one of these times that you choose and live a full life as this person. Pick your journey. Love the count. <laughs> that is just an incredible question. Which way are you going, Mace? You got a smile on your face. Being a baseball legend, I assume, means being a Hall of Famer. But also, going back 30 years ago and being an MLB baseball legend, you're getting plenty of rich because the contracts had started to explode by then, and you're set for life, and you're having a your great life. You, you, you play out your career. You become a Hall of Famer. You live the life signing autographs and just being you and having a good time. I'm taking that all the way. Yeah, I'm probably taking that as well. And, Mesa, it's because of what you said first and – that's just going back 2,000 years, 1,000 years. Man, times are going to be tough. You're living until you're 30 years old. It's not much there. The, the, I would be willing to go back 100 years and be a successful inventor. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with baseball or inventor, but I'll choose baseball as well because you only have to go back 30 years. Although I will say being a traveler 2,000 years ago is enticing. You are it's becoming a successful inventor heading into the roaring 20s, though. Hmm. Well, that's true. Could be exciting. <laughs> yeah, but didn't they still didn't they still use leeches in medicine in, back then? I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's the easy, it's a very easy one here. You get the most money in the most comfortable time period. Um, the ninety, you're you're a millionaire in the eighties. That sounds like it would be really fun. Um, in, in right, you spend the you know you're you're like Larry Walker or something. Like that's a good life. <laughs> it would yeah. be a great life. Next one right. coming in from Broncos only. Great analysis of the 2015 defense versus 2020. In 2015, the defense benefited from the leadership of David, David Bruton Jr., although he wasn't a starter. Or am I giving him too much credit? I do remember that he had a game-changing interception against Detroit in week three that season. Who is his counterpart on this year's defense? How does that guy stack up? I guess his counterpart would be, depending on how you look at his role, his counterpart as a safety would be Trey Marshall. Um, his counterpart as a special teams player slash leader would be Joe Jones. Yeah, and neither of those guys really come close to stacking up. And the other thing that David Bruton did so well, I I don't know that there have been maybe three or four guys that I've covered who ever could read a screen pass as it was developing from the secondary better than David Bruton and that was kind of the thing he did he'd he'd diagnose it and he was money to snuff it out and he he was a starting quality player who just happened to be a backup yeah I was gonna say I don't really think there's a counterpart on this team in terms of a leader that's in a backup role and someone that you're comfortable when they're on the field at, at any time I don't think you have that this year no well mm -hmm. Trey Marshall I think you're comfortable having on the field I would be but in terms of a leadership role behind Justin and Kareem, he, he's not going to have that. True. Uh, next one here is from the Big Tabowski, and I don't really know what he's talking about. But he says, did Zach and RK just butcher, butcher one of my favorite quotes? Unless it's something the Coen brothers didn't make up. And based on another saying over there as well, let's face it, I'm British. What was... I don't know. He goes, anyhow, the quote, I think, lost. he says, oh, here we go. Anyhow, the quote I think you were attempting is, a wiser fellow than myself once said, sometimes you eat the bar, and sometimes, well, the bar eats you. Yeah, that's definitely not what we were going for. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I've never heard that. It's sometimes you get the bull, sometimes the bull gets you, right? I don't know. Oh, that is the quote that, that you were talking about. Yeah, but in Big Lebowski, it's the bar. 
Oh, okay. and of course the big Tabowski would know that. Yeah, I think I learned. Tabowski. I think I learned. Uh, I don't know. I think I learned that one from a, like an old joke that I heard. Anyways, <laughs> I'll try and remember it. Uh, he says that quotes from the big Lebowski, the funniest movie of all time and my favorite, hence my name and hence why I couldn't let that fumble classic slide without mentioning it. Now, whether he means the bear, the bar or another story, I think, uh, bear, uh, go watch it on YouTube links secretly hit it below. (laughs) And then he says, man, Zach and RK quoting the big Lebowski and they didn't even realize too cool. Made me smile and only grimace a little bit. Peace out fellas. Hope you had a great weekend. The big T. (laughs) <laughs> oh, we love you the big t i'm so sorry to do you in your movie like that <laughs> world to suck i appreciate y'all taking my question as the opening segment to the pod totally agreed with everything you guys had to say on it i especially agree with zach on the defensive line being better than 2020 wolf and jackson played great in the super bowl run but casey brings star power and veteran leadership that 2015 lacked on top of that just like you guys mentioned the depth at edge rusher in 2015 we have better depth on the interior line in 2020. We've got three defensive ends that we know Fangio is comfortable in starting in Casey, Harris, and Draymond. Plus, we've got Aguim and Christian Covington backing those boys up. Anybody besides Mace remember much about Vance Walker and Antonio Smith in 2015? Me neither. Give me this year's defensive line. Honestly, both Vance Walker and Antonio Smith were pretty solid depth pieces. Yeah, Antonio yeah. Smith, he, well, he was that guy who had the one – the one skill set, but it was the most important skill set. He could rush the passer. Right. And yeah. that, that was perfect, uh, perfect as a rotational guy for that defense. And he knew Wade Phillips going back. So he, he was one of the guys that understood his scheme best and helped everyone else understand it too. Uh, I thought wasn't, Vance Walker was going to be a player for the Broncos too before getting hurt. Wasn't yeah. Vance Walker supposed to fill in for Malik Jackson in 2016 before he got injured? Yeah. Yep. And, and everyone was pretty comfortable with that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. I certainly liked him a a lot. Um, So, but I still agree with you. World of suck. Give me the Broncos 2020 defensive line with that star power of Jarrell Casey. Next one coming in from Antonio Acosta. First, first off, RK fair warning, reminding Wade Phillips that his defense's regress is subsequent in subsequent seasons causes him to block you on Twitter. Only reason I can think of being blocked by Wade was mentioning this a few years ago. Second, with the NFLPA issuing a warning for players not holding workouts, do you think this shows their hand on thoughts for the upcoming season? And finally, trivia time. Easy one. Take Dennis Smith's jersey number, add Steve Atwater's jersey number, and subtract the number of Super Bowls they played in together. What number do you get? Mace, I... 75! <laughs> I didn't even have to do the math. I knew exactly what was happening. Exactly. I That's did very too. good. <laughs> uh, okay so going back to the first thing first of all uh here's a hot take i wouldn't care if wade phillips blocked me on twitter um i think that uh wade gets like the media effect where like everyone just kind of everyone liked covering him so then they like overblow everything he does and say like everything he does is the greatest thing of all time he's like kind of funny but uh, overratedly so (laughs) I would agree with that. I don't know. I, I, I like that uh, homespun Texas charm. I like the fact that every time he had one of his press conferences with the Broncos during the season, he would talk about the opponent and make sure he mentioned which guys were from Texas. Yeah, that, that was, was part of the charm. I love that. That was a good bit. 
but now, like, because of that, everything he does on Twitter, everyone's like, oh, my God, Wade Phillips is the best. Just uh, well, I, w- I would agree with that. I mean, his Twitter game is very blown up. Well, yeah, I got, exactly. Although I got blocked by Wade, but I actually got unblocked this year. So, Congrats. Now, did you okay. reach out to him? Like, how, how do you get unblocked? He goes through and just I had remembers a, that the grudge is I had over. A mutual, I had a mutual friend reach out to him. Wow. Wow. So that's because I'm like, what did I say? What did I do here? I mean, I've, you know, I bought, I bought your book. I, you know, we had a lot of enjoyable conversations, you know, <laughs> I, I don't it. really feel like I did anything to, to merit getting blocked here, man. Mace offered a peace treaty. I love it. <laughs> um, okay. With the NFLP, PA issuing a warning for players not to hold workouts. Do you think this shows their hand on dots for the upcoming season? I think they already showed it by, by the fact that every time the league puts something out, they're kind of, there's always a, a kind of a hold your horses statement on this saying, okay, well, we haven't agreed on everything yet. And this just kind of went hand in hand with that. They're thinking in terms of player safety first, and that's their job. And, and it's, it's, completely understandable and laudable that they're going to think in terms of those terms and right now the sad thing is we're still learning about what sort of effect the novel coronavirus has long term on people after they've had it i mean there's some studies that talk about how some patients have uh, lesions uh, in their in their lungs even after they've recovered from the, from having COVID-19 and, and what that could entail. So they're going to proceed with caution and be focused on player safety first. And if it's, pers- if there's even the perception that it's not, it's not relatively safe for these guys to go back, then they're going to say, hold on, wait a minute. We got to think this through. Well, to me, the reason they're doing this is because players holding, so players holding private workouts kind of, uh, takes one of the cards out of the hand of the NFLPA, which is saying like, you know, uh, the players don't feel safe going back to practice. If that's a card that they eventually want to play in, in some sort of negotiation tactic and the NFL can say like, well, BS, because there's a, a group of players in every city working out uh, on their own. So, you know, how, you, you can't, you, you guys can't play that card because we know it's BS. Um, and so I think that's one of the reasons why the NFLPA is doing this. The other is, you know, it's it's definitely not a good thing for players to be getting sick uh, before they even go back to practice if that's something they that that they're eventually going to do. So I think there's a lot of things about it that, from a legal standpoint, the NFLPA is saying, "Hey, don't do this because it doesn't really help our cause in any way, shape, or form." Right, and it also doesn't help the players' safety cause, uh, and. Uh, if the players get sick um, or even hurt at one of these, and of course, touching wood to that, but if that happens, well, technically, I, I don't think they would be covered under the, uh, the, the NFL wouldn't have to uh, necessarily back them with that because they were to, were to get injured outside of the facility. So that's another thing that's in that. Um, but I, I do think this is the NFLPA kind of showing their hand at, at what's to come, and that is player safety 100%. Yeah, like if, if you get uh, injured outside of a team work, I mean, doesn't that fall into the category of non-football injury? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and, and, and non-football injury means that uh, 
you can go on the shelf, but you don't get a year of service time. It's not like injured reserve where you go, where you're out potentially if you have a season ending injury, but then what happens is you still get a year of service time toward your pension and toward free agency and FI, you don't get that. Yeah, true. And the player and the team can cut you, I believe, uh, without having to do an injury settlement. Right. So that's all, all these things to, uh, uh, to consider. Uh, Windy City Bronco, NFL players do need to be worried about COVID. While, yes, they are young and in good shape, there's plenty of stories of even young people dying from the disease. Even if you survive it, you can suffer lung damage that can take time to recover from and might even be permanent. That could be career-ending. Yes, the odds are in their favor. Insert DraftKings plug here, but the downside risks are very big. Yeah, and it's a, it's a fantastic point, Windy City Bronco. There's certainly not enough – um, research to be done now since it's still such a new disease about the long-term effects. And um, I've seen a lot of things just in the past week or two where people in their late 20s and 30s are getting uh, heart attacks from, from COVID and things that you wouldn't necessarily associate. And certainly long-term um, lung um, function. I, I know what, one of my friends that had COVID wasn't able to run again outside, um, even at a mild level, until like two and a half months after getting COVID just because of the damage it did on the lungs. And this person wasn't even hospitalized. So it just goes to show just how tough it can be on even a young person's body, even if they're not hospitalized. Yeah. I think you guys are, are right in that, in that, what I'll tell you is the players, every player that I've talked to isn't worried about it at all. Um, and it has a lot to do with the fact that, they're looking around at all the athletes who have gotten them around, gotten it around them, and you've yet to see a case of even someone getting very sick from this. So I've talked to multiple players uh, about their feelings on this, and and they're definitely aware of you know what could happen and what and what's going to happen. And a lot of the players are just saying like, yeah, yeah, I'm just really not worried about it. In fact, all the players I've talked to are along those lines. Which is, why the, have, yeah, which is why the lo- whole thing about long-term effects is something that, uh, that's something that, that should be concerning because that's what we don't know yet because, again, that's, when it's a novel virus, as it's often, often uh, spoken of as, that means it's something where you're literally – scientists are literally learn, learning just what sort of long-term in- impact this could have on people who come down with it. Uh, but then on the other side too, Ryan, you do have guys like Kareem Jackson, where two months ago he was saying, um, you know, I'm I'm not doing this until it's a hundred percent safe, and, and taking the complete opposite approach um, of, look, I'm not going back until we are, you know, guaranteed to be safe. And and like some people pointed out in football, you're never guaranteed to be safe. I get that, but I think you're going to have guys on the complete opposite spectrum. And I don't know if it's going to be half the guys in the league. 10%, uh, 90%. I, I don't know. I think we're going to, I think they're the NFLPA is trying to figure that out right now. And they're going to be, I think a, a very vocal uh, part uh, of the NFL coming back together whenever that happens. Yeah. And I think also there's a veterans who recognize this is a CBA type of issue. Uh, and so they're going to be smart about what they're saying about this. Right. All right, going on to the Big Tabowski again. <laughs> he says, what is it with this company? First Ryan and Allie, now Brandon and Lindsay. What are we going to find out about next? Maybe Zach and Andre are a couple, or is Mace Henry's dad? Actually, I'm Henry's dad. Everyone knows that. Um, uh, you know, 
it's not first and then and it, those things have been going on for a long time <laughs> people are just now becoming uh aware of it um all of those relationships are four years or more i will say that uh andre and i do share a room together when we travel to uh, mobile alabama uh, that is true that was uh, a <laughs> me and brandon shared a room too <laughs> Uh, anyways, he goes on, oops, two comments on the pod, but only seven comments in total. So I get let off, right? Well, a lot more comments have come in since then, in which we actually have to move fast because I know Mates has somewhere to go. <laughs> yes, exactly. Next one coming in from Orange and Blue all over. He says, my boys, I had a question on a rumor. The rumor that Drew is having workouts with, with the offseason, which are rumored to be going well, came up at a press conference last week, touching wood. What happens to a player's contract if they get hurt at one of these rumored workouts? Is it covered by team or are they at risk since it's unofficial? Which offseason injuries are covered and which aren't? How often does team and player disagree on if an injury is covered? Well, it's kind of what we were exactly talking about. Uh, an injury at one of these unofficial workouts technically wouldn't be covered. And so the team would have to, I guess, be nice in order to cover that, but they wouldn't be obligated to. Yeah, that being said, I think these guys, they would tend toward the nice side of it. Think back to, for example, Demarius Thomas when he injured his Achilles in the winter of 2011 down in Atlanta while working out, and he had that injury even though it was right there in the lockout. The Broncos coming out of the lockout, they, there was a, there was no, no funny business done. They made sure that he was taken care of, I imagine that would be the case for those guys, given the prominence of the players that you're hearing about working out over at the park with Drew Locke. But that's just a sign of a good organization, not something that they had to do. Right. Next one uh, coming in from Dan Burke. Do y'all think the Broncos should be, in, be held in the same regard as the Steelers when it comes to drafting and developing receivers? Also, I have a take about the Broncos signing AB, but I don't think y'all would be on board with it, LOL. Maybe if RK is on today, he'll back me up on that. Nope, I already took my lumps on that one. <laughs> I, uh, I, I said the Broncos should sign him, and I had to admit I was wrong, and, I'm, I, and I did, and I'm never going back. <laughs> yeah, smart to not jump back on that. Okay, the next one here is a long one. It comes in from Hip Hip Uray. Hey, gents, I really like the comparison of the 2015 defense to the 2020 defense. That 2015 defense was historically great for many reasons. I would like to chime in on a couple of different tidbits here uh, as to some of the reasons why I think 20, the 2015 defense was so dominant. First, I know you guys have talked a lot about the addition of Aqib Tlaib being a game changer for this defense at cornerback, but I really think the cherry on top of the Sunday was TJ Ward. Prior to signing Ward, we had Mike Adams and Raheem Moore. Obviously not, not game-changing safeties by any stretch. However, Ward brought a fire and just a straight hard-hitting toughness the, that this defense needed in order to truly become the no-fly zone. We'll agree that this current safety tam tandem of Simmons-Jackson is a better duo at the back, but they also don't have a complete set of cornerbacks to assist in the passing game like Tlaib and Harris Jr. Agree there. Secondly, I think the circumstances around the 2015 defense are significantly def uh, different than this year's unit. In 2015, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Peyton lead the league in interceptions for most of the year and had the most interceptions at the end of the year despite missing six games? That defense had to be numero uno almost all year to even be competitive in most of the games. Also, didn't May say at one point that this defense told the offense, as long as you score 20 points, we will find a way to win the game? 
I just think that this has to play into the situation that uh, that we see on the field week after week. Is that true, Mace? That's uh, that's what I'd heard. It's funny because I, I first heard that around Tampa Bay back in the 1990s. Warren Sapp used to say 17, and then that year around the Broncos' defense, it had been upgraded a little bit to a, to 20 points. But that was something that the defense pretty fervently believed that if they got that if you got them 20, they'd find a way. And I bet you their record in games that they scored more than 20 points that year was pretty damn good. Yeah, the only loss – I mean, the loss that jumps out is the um, – it's the one in uh, – Pittsburgh? In Pittsburgh. They also, I believe, lost uh, when, a similar game in Indianapolis as well. Of course, the offense uh, – you know, one of the touchdowns in that game was on offense, but it was on special teams on Omar Bolton's punt return. Was that the poke game? That was the iPoke game, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, keep to leave. He'll get you sometimes. Oh, boy. Akeem. All right. Man. He, finish, he finishes up here. He says, next, I think the 2020 defense has the luxury of having a complimentary offense to where winning every game is not put squarely on their shoulders. Are there weeks where the defense could bring the th- be the thing that wills them to victory? Sure. But it is the only thing that is going to win them, them games? No, not at all. This team will be fun to watch. Sorry about the long one, boys, but I really enjoyed this conversation on Squeaky Bum Talk Friday that you both had. Talks like this get me more excited for this upcoming season. Go Broncos and go DNVR. Yeah, let's go, Hip Hip You Ray. And, yeah, that's something that this Broncos team has and they haven't had for many years. They've, they've been going all in behind the defense these last four years, and it hasn't worked. Now they have that offense. Like I said, the shift is happening with this team, and it's right at a good point where the defense still should be elite but the offense will actually be something finally. Mark I.T. Snatch, who had our main comment today, he leaves mm-hmm. it here. But he also adds, someday you're the statue, some days you're the pigeon. <laughs> I feel like that's, a, that's another phrase that goes along with what we were trying to say on Friday. <laughs> I wonder what the origin is. I do, I do remember hearing from Seth Greenberg, who's on ESPN now, but coached college basketball for, for a while. He, he, I do remember hearing from him, some days you're the dog and some days you're the tree. <laughs> after a <Yeah>. loss <laughs> <laughs> next one's coming in from yellow mustard it says this week's the denver oh. sports this week's the denver sports podcast had the guys talking about your favorite all-time colorado sports memory i'm curious to hear of those who weren't on the podcast what were yours for me it's easy one is strip sack miller two the only one i really want to talk about though it is probably my earliest broncos memory certainly earliest single play i remember September 13th, 2009, need I say more, a tipped bat pass falls into Brandon Stokely's arms and he takes it to the house to beat the Bengals with seconds left on the clock. Gus Johnson immortalized that moment for every Broncos fan watching. I can still hear him call that play like it was yesterday. Yeah, you know, um, I actually talked about this with Allie after the podcast and there were a lot that came up, but what was what was important to me as I made this memory – oh, I was also told I wasn't allowed to pick a Buffs game, so uh, it made it a little bit harder. Um, but uh, what, what was important to me in this was, like, the, the, the explosion of the moment, the levity of the moment, and then also, like, the um, – how old I was. Um, I wasn't old enough in 97 or 98 to truly have, like, invested – into the Broncos, even 2001 Avs, you know, I, I watched all the games, but it's almost too easy when, when your team wins a championship when you're that young, like leading. So this one wasn't a championship, but just the entirety of Rocktober is probably my favorite Denver sports memory ever. Um, it was 
such it was so special like that it was there was this destiny feel of the team everyone in Colorado was on board with it I mean you've never seen a place where as much purple as was being worn in Colorado during that time and uh, you know if I would be forced to narrow it down to one moment it would be probably 163 but also maybe just you know uh, when they swept the Diamondbacks game four of the NLCS Todd Helton raising his arms he's finally going to the World Series that was just like the perfect combination I was in high school I watched every Rockies game that year I was at game 162 I was at game four of the NLCS it was just it, it, that that to me uh is pretty hard to match yeah, yeah I, I agree with you on Rocktober that's I think part of it was just the utter unlikeliness the, exactly the audacity of it happening it was something that just it, it defied description and I think for for the best moment of of that I mean there's there there are a lot that you can point out there's you mentioned beating the Diamondbacks game 163 but there was a moment in game three of the World Series and it was when Matt Holliday hit the three-run bomb in the bottom of the seventh to take to take it from down six, two to down to down six, five. And at that moment, because of everything that had happened over the previous month, I, the entire stadium felt like, okay, going to win this, going to win tomorrow, going to win the day after that. It's, you know, because everyone had come to believe so much in that team. I prefer not to think about what happened when Brian Fuentes went back out there in the eighth inning. And that was that, but at, at that moment, when Holiday hit that three-run bomb and people are jumping around the stands as he's rounding the bases and everyone believes they're going to come back and win this game and they're going to win tomorrow. That was, that was something really powerful, even though it didn't work out in the end. That just, that single moment, I st- still gives me goosebumps. Well, yeah. Mace, I don't know if you're going with Rocktober too, but I'm going with Rocktober as yeah. well. Oh, it's, it's hundred percent. There's not, there's never been anything like that in Colorado sports and, Frankly, it's hard to see anything quite like that ever happening again. And that's that just shows how special it was because that's what I'm going with as well. And I'm going with game 163 when Matt Holiday touched the plate. I mean, guys, I was in my my parents' house as a kid, just just hyperventilating so loud. My mom jumped out of bed because she thought I was like having some physical issue because it was just I mean the wave of emotions to to Rocktober were so so cool it was improbable it was fun it was the only thing going on it didn't matter that football season had started as as crazy as that is the Rockies were the story in town it was so much fun the Broncos were were an afterthought and they got they were getting off to kind of a mediocre start I mean they they were 2-0 and but then they faded and it just everything set up perfectly one thing though RK you said that you weren't allowed to mention a Buffs game as part of this. So for some reason, it got me thinking to ask you this. If I told you that the Buffs would win three national championships in the next 40 years, but the Broncos would never win another Super Bowl, we should take it. <laughs> so fast. I would take that so fast. Uh, with all due respect, uh, you know, the Broncos already have three. So in my lifetime, all three of those. 
Um, and as much as I love all the listeners here who probably don't give a damn about the buffs, I would definitely be selfish here uh, and, and have the buffs tie up that score in my lifetime. In fact, you could probably take it down to one, and I might still take the deal. <laughs> wow. Okay. If there the you buffs, go. If the buffs win uh, a national championship in my lifetime, I honestly don't, don't care what happens with any of the rest of my teams combined. Oh, Wow. Well, co- college loyalties are different. I feel like they they tend to be a little more emotional. Well, right, and it's 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 double for me. You know, I grew up in Boulder, so that was like my town's team. Uh, and then I went to CU. It's just you know that's that 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 fandom stands a level above all the rest for me. Yeah, yeah. not not surprised with that answer though. All right, next one here comes in from, let's see, it would be Broncos, Sooners, New York Rangers. Hey, guys, hope you had a great weekend. My question is this, what is the most dominant position group of all time for the Broncos and then for the rest of the NFL? Our no-fly zone might have been our best group. The cornerbacks on that 2015 were amazing. I'm sure there are others, but this is off the top of my head. Steve Atwater and Dennis Smith as a safety uh, duo was a great position group of ours, of course. I couldn't end the Broncos portion without mentoring the Orange Crush linebacker corp, manned by uh, to, uh, Tom Jackson, Randy Gratishar, Rizzo, and Bob Swenson. Hmm. What do you guys? Who do you guys have here for most dominant Broncos position group of all time? The one that jumps out to me, and it, it may be too specific, but the playoff run of Von Miller and Demarcus Ware, and because Von Miller was so freaking good, Demarcus Ware gets a little overshadowed, but that was the best football he played with the Broncos, what was in the playoffs. Uh, so I'll go with two Hall of Famers playing their best ball. That's what's going to make that one jump out is the fact that it's two Hall of Famers. Now, that being said, if Akeem Tlaib and Chris Harris Jr. are eventually in Canton, then you could make a case for them and also say – got to throw Bradley that Roby in it, that group too. And, and, and Yeah, but also saying it was sustained over not just that season, but really uh, – the three better part of four years as well as worse with DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller, they had good spurts, but what you really think about with them is just that playoff run because in the regular season, DeMarcus Ware missed some time. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't where he was, pardon the pun. So, so that's, that's why if you're talking about a specific burst, I think Zach, you're correct. Well, how but, about this? How about this? The, the, and I don't know if this technically counts, as a position group, but it would be the skill positions uh, of 97, 98. You, you know, you got John Elway, Terrell Davis, Shannon Sharp, Ed McCaffrey, Rod Smith. Well, there's three Hall of Famers in that group. But I don't know if that counts as a group. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> Pretty good, though. Pretty darn good. Uh, he says, uh, as for the best in NFL history, 1998 Minnesota Vikings wide receivers, as well as the 70 Steelers defensive line or linebackers could easily make a case. So 98 Vikings, is that uh, Chris Carter, Randy Moss? And Jake Reed. And he was a pretty good receiver too. But two Hall of Famers and then a well above average number three. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. 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 Uh, the late 80s 49ers quarterback room, Montana and Young. <laughs> yes. Probably the best quarterback room of all time. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah For, I mean, uh, probably so, the one that's in the conversation would be uh, 
Green Bay Packers 05 to 07 when they had Brett Favre and Zach's boy Aaron Rodgers in the room. That's true. I thought you might say um, the combination of Mark Sanchez, Trevor Simeon, and Paxton Lynch. Ugh. I thought I thought you may uh, make a case for uh, when Peyton Manning and Tim Tebow were uh, in the same virtual quarterback <laughs> meeting room for like a month or so. It was only like two weeks, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. No, it was like it was like a couple of days, I think. Oh, really? Well, for yeah. those couple of actually, days, what a time! Actually, you're right because I I remember. Hmm, trying to remember here. I remember I was with my friend who was a Jets fan for when the Broncos got Peyton Manning and when they traded him to uh, to the Jets. So it was definitely within a week's time because we were on vacation. I was, oh, a- a- uh, yeah. A- actually, by the way, I looked it up. Um, Tim Tebow, the trade happened on the 21st of uh, March, which was a Wednesday. The news broke on Monday that Peyton Manning would be a Bronco, and the press conference was two on the Tuesday, and then Tebow was traded on the Wednesday. Okay, so yeah, yeah. It was pretty quick. Yeah, it was yeah. quick. I was uh, I was skiing when Tim Tebow was uh, was traded, and as you walked into the dining room of the ski hall, there was a guy just at the door telling every single person that walked in, "Tim Tebow's been traded." <laughs> <laughs> was he sad happy i mean i think he was sad i think he was sad oh. yeah uh, so people, thought, so people sad. thought the broncos were going to be cursed <laughs> yeah that didn't really happen did it i guess manning is more powerful than uh the divine like especially after the raheem moore incident people were adamant <laughs> that the broncos had cursed themselves by trading away uh you can't be cursed in in uh, WGT golf, it's just it's too good, you know. It's all about skill and talent. There's no curses involved. And right now, you could join the DNVR two clubhouse. All of that one's filling up. You don't want to have to join DNVR three, although DNVR three will be there too if if you wait. Uh, but you can go to DNVRGolf.com and download WGT. It's the most popular golf app in the world. It's extremely fun. It's pretty darn realistic. Uh, and it's easy to learn and then you know there's a lot of room to get really good at it so uh, one of the most fun video game apps out there go to dnvrgolf.com and download WGT from there. Curses if that's what you say when you're brushing your teeth well you need to see green mounted dental because something's going on with your teeth and you need some help and there's no better professionals out there than green mountain dental guys. They're in Lakewood and they're the best damn family owned dentist in the Metro and they're extreme Colorado sports fan, just like us. So not only do you go there and get your cle- your teeth cleaned, but you get to talk sports and if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush guys. That's right. You take care of your teeth for them to hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush. So check out Green Mountain Dental, schedule that cleaning, x-ray, and exam, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. All right, let's get back to the listeners. Next one coming in from New York, or from uh, the other Ryan. He says, my boys, I hope that each of you had a wonderful weekend and that Mace was able to travel safely home to the Mile High City. 
Friday's and previous podcast discussion about improvements that Vic Fangio defenses made in their second season led me to dig into some numbers with respect to sacks and turnovers generated in the first and second years in which Fangio was either the defensive coordinator or head coach. Here are my findings. Defenses under Fangio in their first season generate on average 25.8 turnovers and 38 sacks per game. In their second season, the forced turnover average drops to 23, with sacks increasing by one per game to 39. Um, The Broncos did not generate a sack in their first three games, along with no turnovers during their first four games last season. The Broncos remarkably recovered to generate 40 sacks with Bradley Chubb not playing in 12 games. As discussed previously, the Broncos only generating 17 turnovers on the season was disappointing and needs to improve. In 2020, I think the Broncos would generate a minimum of 50 sacks and around 25 turnovers. Keep in mind that in Fangio's second season as defensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers in 1996, his defense amassed 60 sacks. What would you say is the over-under for Broncos as far as sacks and turnovers in 2020? Here's to a great, here's to a great and productive week ahead. DNV Army, salute. It's a really good question, and it's an interesting one. Um, because they did generate 40 sacks last season with Von Miller in single digits and Bradley Chubb not playing and never uh, and having what one sack on the season. He got yep. one right before he got injured mm-hmm. in that in that week four game. Yeah. So that's remarkable. Um, and it's fair, I would say, to set the expectations at 50. Um, I would probably set the over under at 45 and a half. Yeah, I would. I, I like that number, 45 and a half. Um, I think they should have 50, but if I was setting a line, I would actually make it lower than, than 50. Yeah, exactly. I, I'd say, like, on turnovers, I'm going to go 24. On sacks, 40, uh, 45, as far as the over-under. So they should – I mean, they should, based on Vic Fangio's averages, they should clear both of those – well, no, they, not the sacks, but – you really hope they get to that number in turnovers. That makes all the difference for a defense. You can be a really great defense that doesn't generate turnovers, and your numbers aren't going to bear out that well. Yeah, yeah. 24, and 24 turnovers puts them in the top 10 last year because 23 would have been tied for 10th. 24 would have placed them ninth. It's a takeaway and a half per game. And uh, a, a lot of teams in that top 10 range – including the Patriots, the Seahawks, the Vikings, the 49ers, the Ravens, the, the Packers, a lot of teams that, uh, are, that have the type of defenses that you're talking about that you need to have if you're going to be able to get back to the postseason. Yep. I just wonder how much it affects them that they play the Chiefs and Raiders four times a year. Obviously, Mahomes doesn't turn the ball over very much. And Derek Carr is always so careful with the ball, especially when he plays the Broncos that it might, it might hinder their ability to generate a bunch of turnovers. You are the number one paid defense. I don't care who you're playing. You better be able to create turnovers and sacks. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> From Ubeni Lava. Sup, y'all. Hope all is well. I'm sure this will probably be a first segment topic in the near future. But are you guys ready to give your projected depth charts for the season? I just filled one out, and it's pretty interesting with the 55-man roster now. I wasn't really sure where to allocate the extra resources. One question is, uh, who the heck is going to be our fourth safety? After Simmons, Jackson, and Marshall, I came up blank. I just rolled at those three and carried a bunch of corners. Interested to hear your thoughts. P.S. I've got Hank this week in Madden. Who's got the scouting report? 
I've got it. Um, bring your defense because his offense, I did not stop. I did not force him to punt once. I got a strip sack on the 10-yard line, which is the only uh, time I was able to get the ball back from him. So um, his his run game is insane with Matt Breida because Matt Breida is like a 97 speed. And the, the rest of his game is pretty darn good as well. So uh, I'll pray for you. <laughs> wow. I mean, did he drop a 50-burger on you? No, no, no. I, I, He's I like, play, well, no, no, 49, 49. No, 28, 28. Um, I, I play a slow brand of offense, so it's hard to put up a lot of points on me. Wow. Okay. That really goes against you. With, with Kyler, you play a slow brand of offense? That's not very Cliff Kingsbury of you. Yeah, I like to possess the ball because my defense isn't very good. So I'm trying to use my offense as my defense. Wow, you must really not like Cliff Kingsbury anymore. It's tough. It's tough in Madden. You don't want to score too fast. You don't want to give too many. Uh, you can hold the ball for a whole quarter if you have a good enough drive. Yeah, what I've uh, learned about Madden, especially this Madden, is it's all about the running game. They care way more. They, they favor the run game way more than the pass. Yeah, and uh, tonight I play uh, the Cardinals. Oh, who... your Cardinals. <laughs> I play the Cardinals. We are in week – what week are we in, Zach? 12? Yep. We are in week 12. The Cardinals boast Saquon Barkley, who already has over 2,000 yards rushing. <laughs> I pray for you. <laughs> so, yeah, pray for Drew Tranquil and uh, – uh, <laughs> you know larry Ogunjobi. there's work cut out for them tonight (laughs) anthony Barr. so over under at 250 god i hope not (laughs) doesn't sound very much very confident in that defense yeah i'm not i'm not at all next one coming in well no 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 we didn't answer the fourth safety question that's that's actually probably more interesting here with all respect to the madden conversation (laughs) what what's uh what are the options Okay, uh, you go through the roster uh, now. You've got Douglas Coleman the third. Oh yes, big fan of uh, him. Elijah Holder, the converted cornerback. PJ Locke and Kahani Smith. The fact that they saw something in Holder and want to take a look at him at safety after having him at corner last year. And I know he's somebody that Steve Atwater was a a pretty high on as an undrafted corner last year. I'm gonna roll the dice on him and say he makes it as the fourth corner, especially because he can contribute on special teams as well. Fourth safety, you mean? Yeah, fourth safety. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're making me pick one, I'll definitely pick Holder. Uh, I wonder if there's going to be an addition somewhere along the way that has a better chance of making it. Uh, Holder definitely has the length needed to be a safety, so uh, maybe he's able to make that transition. My money would actually go on an additional cornerback because we've talked about from three till like eight. I could see any of those guys making the roster and actually being the third or fourth cornerback. So you got a lot of depth there, not much at safety. So maybe you keep a Douglas Coleman, uh, the third on the practice squad, along with Elijah Holder. Um, and then you, you keep more cornerbacks for this year. Good point. Last one here from LDJ. All right, fellas, I'm trying to choose a jersey. Buying some fly stuff on DNVR today as well. Looks like he uh, must have got paid recently. <laughs> Getting a little spending spree. Also, if anyone wants the door shirts that the team wore at the protest, follow Jordan Bolton on Instagram. He's selling them proceeds uh, of the shirt. Go to George Flight's Kids. But, man, who do I get? 
I don't know who I should get. Should it be Boye? No. Uh, yeah. Melvin Gordon looks pretty sweet. Or should I wait till Hamler pops up? If all the new uh, of all the new jerseys, I still haven't seen that one yet. Hope you guys had a really awesome weekend, and hope we have football because uh, I really am worried. Don't don't get AJ Boye. Don't get Melvin Gordon because nope. those. I mean, Boye could be on the team one year. Uh, Melvin Gordon's contract is only two years. Don't go with that. Um, I would go with a young guy. Um, man, the mo- the safest young guy to get, in my opinion. Just get a Jerry Judy, and you'll be set. But if you want someone who's already played before, um, I mean, Cortland Sutton's a Pro Bowl player. Cortland Sutton, I mean, Drew Locke, if you want to go for the quarterback, if you want to cash your fate with him. Bradley Chubb, I mean, yeah, he's coming back from the ACL, but had one of the best rookie seasons any edge rushers ever had. I mean, he's, if you look at the other guys historically that had a dozen or more sacks as rookies, it's filled with names like, you know, like Leslie you know, O'Neal, Reggie White, a bunch of other guys who were stellar pass rushers, including you know, Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, guys who were either Hall of Famers or could be Hall of Famers. So I think when Bradley Chubb shows that he's all the way back from the ACL, if you haven't bought a Chubb jersey, you'd be going to be pretty happy with that investment because he's going to have a big year. I would go any young offensive player. So you could go anywhere from Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, Philip Lindsay, Drew Locke, Dalton Reisner. Uh, I mean, any of these are going to be good jerseys for you. I kind of like uh, – you threw out Hamler, though, which means you're thinking about it. I kind of like that one. It's a little bit of a risk. So you got to be willing to take a little risk there. But I think Hamler might end up being a big-time fan favorite that, you know, his jersey might be popping up more and more. Uh, you know, think along the lines of, like, Eddie Royal. Mm, and is that just because he's good on your fantasy team, RK? Is that the reason you're having people buy his jersey? He's good on my Madden team, not my fantasy oh, team. But that might mean if he's good on <laughs> fantasy teams – That'll be good news for everyone. <laughs> it certainly, certainly would. And we have one more coming in from Burley Joe. He says, hey, fellas, it's been a while. Where does Christian Covington fit into this defense now with Casey and Ajim now on the roster? Does Covington even have a chance to make the team? Who is most likely? Who is the most likely casualty on the defensive line to not make the team? Appreciate you all. Have a fantastic week. Well, we talked about it earlier. The most likely casualty, Demarcus Walker. Yep exactly and because they signed christian covington um and made all those other moves on the defensive line it really doesn't bode well for demarcus walker he's gonna have to beat him out straight up yep yep and uh, the contract and guaranteed money with covington does not suggest that that's going to happen nope sure doesn't uh but i suggest something that's going to happen is i am going to head down to davidson's this week because i'm one glass away from running out of bourbon, and that's that's a big problem around here, uh, especially when I uh, I'm, I actually took a little keto break, going back on keto. Need my bourbon, as I call it, keto dessert. So I'll be heading down to Davidson's. They've got two locations, one in Centennial, one in Highlands Ranch. They have an incredible staff there that can be helpful with anything you're looking for, uh, and they're locally owned, Colorado sports fans, all that good stuff. So. Make sure to head down to Davidson's to get hooked up with everything you need. But for today, that's going to wrap it up for us on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Have a great day.
getting 